Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled Jesus on the Holy Spirit was given by Bill Dogtrum on September 5th of 2010. We're kind of in between um, series. We've finished up 10 words and, and uh, we're going to start a new one here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so in this in-between time, Darren and I were just kind of strategizing. What do we want to talk about? And... Um, how do we want to move forward? And so we decided um, that in this, in this season, we'd like to just talk a little bit more about the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, because he is the breath that makes the church uh, alive. He is the atmosphere in which we, we um, exist. He is the one who, who, who gives life to how we want to do church here. We want to be a spirit-empowered, not just a spirit-saluting church. So we don't want to just kind of have him on our letterhead. We want him to be the foundation, so to speak, of how we do, how we do church. So as part of that conversation, I wanted to um, listen to the main authority on the Holy Spirit in the next couple of weeks, and that is Jesus. So we're going to just look at what he said the Spirit is about and what the Spirit comes to do. Usually when we think, especially if you've grown up in a tradition that I've grown up in, uh, kind of Pentecostal, charismatic, we think of the Holy Spirit as being about phenomenal things, and He can do those things. Um, you know, uh, empowering people to speak in other tongues, or, or uh, giving words of wisdom, or knowledge, or those kinds of dynamic gifts of the Spirit. Uh, but what Jesus kind of focuses more on is how the Spirit works with, in partnership with Jesus, to produce the character of Christ in people. So the, as embodied in things like love and joy and peace and patience, the fruit of the Spirit uh, as being kind of the primary fingerprint of what, uh, what um, the, the Holy Spirit's about. Because you can fake phenomenal things. You can fake the gift, so to speak. But you can't fake fruit. It is, it, it, it is either love or it's not, Right? So that will be the, and, and while we long for a church that is able to move in the gifts of the Spirit, because we desperately need that in, in our culture, we really, more than anything else, want that to be built on a church that moves in the fruit of the Spirit, that has that evident in our in interactions with one another. Two things that I want to say, though, uh, just before I get into the Word, one of which is just purely mundane. I noticed... Uh, because we moved offering a little bit uh, earlier into the service, that a lot of you came in after we had uh, received the offering. Uh, if you want to um, give in worship today, there's a couple of ways you can do it, even though the, the uh, watering cans... I love that, that image, don't you? Uh, it's a way that we put, put stuff in there and it gets poured out and things happen. I love that. Anyway, um, two other ways. One is through the, through the website... Uh, it, it, I, I signed on yesterday to do online giving. It is slick and easy to do that. But the other way is we have a box in the back, and if you want on your way out to uh, uh, distribute uh, or to sow some seed in that box, you're, you're more than welcome to do that. Second thing, um, as Darren was praying, I just had a witness in my spirit that there's somebody here that Jesus is just bubbling some things up in your heart, and it, and it tracked exactly with what Darren was praying in terms of just unemployment and leaning into that. I just had a sense that there's somebody here that Jesus is kind of bubbling up some things and you're terrified of the implications of those things. Um, it's going to take some risk. It's going to take some investment of yourself 
and it's like you want you want money on the dollar before you put your foot uh, uh, ahead to step. And I and I want to encourage you as best I can if to the degree I'm check it out, validate whether it's really something that the spirit is bubbling up and not yesterday's pizza. Uh, but but if this is really something that's been kind of building over the last little while and you have a sense, no, this is really, this is, I'm getting too much stuff that just kind of underlines that. Um, I, can I just challenge you to uh, take a risk? Because God is at work in all things for good, you can't fail. You might go bankrupt. I'm serious, but that's not failure. Because we're not using that measure of success in the kingdom. The point might not be getting you a job. The point might be training you in faithful risk. Everybody okay with that? So, so I can just encourage you to challenge. In fact, I just feel, I, I just want to pray. Uh, so let's, let's pray together. And if you're like that, just, I don't know, open your hands up to receive what God has given you in this thing. And particularly, for, I'm just having a sense that some of you are just real anxious about resources. So let's just open it up. Lord Jesus, we just take a moment, and I want to be faithful to what kind of this, this impulse that I have uh, sensed uh, this morning uh, and pray for my brothers, my sisters, whoever it is here that is, is um, dealing with this anxiety, this tension that you have created as you're kind of nudging them into some new things, uh, into some new avenues that are untried, unproven for them, that will risk, that will, that will cost them. And Lord, you, we know that in that you're not guaranteeing success. We're not guaranteeing uh, that, that they'll be successful in the ways that we measure success. But, but the risk, the stepping out is successful in the ways that you measure success. And so I pray that you would give them courage in the face of their fear to do that. And I do pray, Lord, that you would make them successful not only in the ways of the kingdom... Uh, but in the ways uh, that the world measures success too, because um, that's maybe a measure that would be valid for them. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that you would help them not to be anxious in the meantime about resources. You know how to bring bread by birds. You know how to make water spring up in the middle of a dry desert. And so I pray that you would resource them, uh, whether through miraculous means or through natural means, um, with, with enough money to cover the mortgage or the, the rent, enough food uh, to uh, supply them at this stage. Um, and in the middle of this, Lord, help them to know that they are carried aloft on eagle's wings, that you know who they are, you know the journey they're on, you know the stresses they're under, and I pray that you would empower them for this season uh, in, in this wilderness time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, if you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me to the uh, Gospel of John. Uh, Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, we have a few uh, here. And, and if I can just, to, to whatever degree I can, encourage you to pick a Bible up because uh, we're going to be uh, beginning a new series where we're just going to be going verse by verse through through some significant chunks of texts and, and having your own and being able to underline things and mark stuff in the columns and whatnot will be really helpful. So please feel free to, to do that. Um, and today, particularly, I'm going to ask you to kind of underline some things and make some marks uh, if, you'd, if it's a way that would be helpful for you to remember, okay? Um, and again, I've got enough here to cover 
uh, today and next week and, and more. So if uh, questions arise and you want to uh, use the piece of paper that you pulled out, feel free to fill that out and drop it in. Send us an email or a text. Um, I don't uh, tweet yet. Uh, um, I'm still, I still cannot figure out what the point of that is. So um, I know, I know. 140 characters, your life in graffiti. I, but anyway. Okay, so here we are. Jesus is about ready to um, choose death. He's the only human being in the history of the world who has been faced with that choice. Everybody else just dies. Jesus is obedient, and that's why he dies. Um, and in that process, the night before, he is preparing his disciples, his followers, for how they're going to negotiate life with him off the scene, without his physical presence uh, with them, helping them, right? So as part of that preparation, he kind of gives us this, this three-chapter-long uh, discourse on life kind of in between times, in between his death and, and, and finally when he, he returns. Uh, so we're looking at John chapter 14, which is the beginning of that, and part of his preparation of his people for um, uh, preparation for uh, Jesus' absence is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he is, Jesus is 100% completely dependent himself on the Holy Spirit. Uh, you see this in his baptism. Uh, you see it, it, it where the Spirit comes and, and takes up permanent residence in him. And that symbolism, that imagery, is what fuels how we understand our lives. Um, John doesn't do this so much, but the Gospel of Luke, uh, in his two volumes, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, are written by the same guy. And in, chapter, in, in, in the first volume... He portrays Jesus as a man of the Spirit. In the second volume, the book of Acts, he portrays the church as the people of the Spirit, doing by the power of the Holy Spirit exactly what Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit in the gospel. So it's volume one, volume two, and you'll notice that volume two has no ending because it is still being written. We get a chance at the garden here to write another chapter in the Acts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the second volume of Luke's, uh, Luke's uh, Gospels and Reflection. So for Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely fundamental to who he is. And he invites us to not get out of bed in the morning except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can do that. We can negotiate huge chunks of our life without supernatural empowerment. Right? We can do that. And Jesus says, you can, but the result will not be kingdom life. The result will be life of another kingdom. So he's inviting us to experience the dynamic that empowered his life so that he at any given moment knew exactly what God was up to and partnered with God in what he was doing in the world in the power of the Spirit. How do we do it? John chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 16. I wish we had time to kind of set the full context on this. We don't. So Jesus has uh, just kind of done the introduction here, calling out of 13 into 14, now at 15. Um, he says, if you love me, you will align yourself to my way of living. 
The direct translation is you will obey my commandments. But remember, when we were talking about words last time, these are not commandments as much as they are words of life. So if you love me, you will align yourself to the way that I live. You will, you will live your life as I would if I were you. Then, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another being secondary in this case to him, somebody else come alongside to help you, and this one will be with you forever. Specifically, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So if you've got your pens or pencils, uh, just underline a few words in here. I'm using the New American Standard. This translation is, is a little bit off but you, uh, in terms of difference, but you'll be able to figure it out. The first word I want you to underline is helper. The Holy Spirit comes to us as a helper. This is a translation of a technical Greek term, kaleo uh, or paraclete or parakletos. Um, and it's para is the one, is a, is a preposition that means alongside, and kaleo is the verb that means to call. So those two words compounded together means one called alongside to help. So it's translated in the legal profession as a defense attorney, right? But it also means translated various things like comforter or helper um, or sustainer. There's a, a number of ways that this, this word gets used. So think of the Holy Spirit in the multiple ways that he shows up, and, and his primary mission is to come alongside and help. Isn't that, isn't that, I love that image, just all by itself, of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the kind of active, if you will, in our lives today, member of the Trinity who just comes alongside, and all he wants to do is help. Anybody else need help? Yeah? I mean, that's what He comes to do. He comes to empower us. He comes to enliven us. He comes to just kind of push us into the next stage or hold us back when we're into, into deep weeds. He comes alongside to help us. So that's the first word, the one who called alongside to help. Second, I want you to underline forever. Forever. He'll be with you forever. Here is one who, unlike Jesus in this particular case, is never going to leave you. In fact, uh, when we ask in, in the words that I grew up with in Sunday school as a kid in the church, ask Jesus into our heart. Anybody ever do that, right? And I, and, and, uh, I love that imagery, but it's the Holy Spirit who embodies Christ in us. When we make that invitation, it's the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells. I, it's just amazing to me that the very God of the universe wants to fill us up with himself and never, ever leave us. So that when this body, which is designed for existence in a material world, fades away either through death or decay, the Holy Spirit will still empower a spiritual body, which is why we await resurrection, so that we can continue to have unique existence in the age that is to come. That's a huge sentence. Um, but I want to just put that there, and we'll, we can unpack that as we go along. First, So he's not going to leave. He's going to be with us forever. He's going to help us in the same way that Jesus did. The second thing I need you to underline, or third thing, rather, is the spirit of truth. This is um, 
Jesus says this a couple of different times. It's not just that the Holy Spirit comes to help us know what truth is. He does that. But Jesus is saying something even more fundamental here, and that is this. The Holy Spirit is what makes true things true. He is the very essence of truth. So, for example, the fact that uh, whatever, whatever discipline you want to use, whether it's physics or biology or whatever, uh, you know, gravity uh, in, in free fall, an object accelerates at 9.8 meters per second squared, roughly. The Holy Spirit is what says so. And, and we're used to thinking of the Holy Spirit as this ephemeral agency that kind of floats. No, if, if pi is 3.14 up to who knows what, it's the Holy Spirit that takes circumference and radius and works that relationship. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. So when he calls him the spirit of truth, I need you to realize it's not just truth about God or the truth about Jesus or the truth about yourself or the truth about, it's the truth about anything. Do you understand now why the spirit of the age is pushing people away from an understanding of truth and making it personal and subjective? Because that then allows us to back away from the fundamental truth of the universe, which is signed, sealed, and delivered by the agency of the Holy Spirit. You with me? He is the space in between the atoms of a molecule. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that the Spirit is brooding, just settling over the entirety of the creation. He is what fills in the spaces in between the atoms of the molecule. Did you just sit about, and, and just realize that any object, right, no matter how solid it is, is more space than matter. Ooh. Okay, maybe that wasn't true. No, you with me? Because if you look at, if you look at, at, at how molecules are constructed, they, for the most part, they've got more space in between the electrons and neutrons and protons and, and some of the other stuff that's in there, right? There's more space in there than there was actual physical stuff. It's the Holy Spirit that occupies that space, that, that, that works the magnetic, gravitational stuff that keeps things from flying off. I just love the Holy Spirit, aren't you? Because if, 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 if He didn't, you wouldn't be. He is what defines essence. I think, now, you can say, really, that's what Jesus was saying? If you don't want to go that whole way, that's fine. I think I can get there. But at the, at the absolute minimum, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will enable and empower you to know what is true and what is not true. I don't know about you, but that just all by itself is good news to me. Because I get stuff flying across my email all the time. And discernment is critical. I finally figured out that the dear lady from Nigeria is not going to help me. <laughs> that one's easy. Sorry, did I blow somebody's investment scheme for retirement? I'm Right? She's, okay, I don't need to send her my social security number. I don't need to give her the deposit for my bank. I don't need to do that. It's not going to be helpful. That's easy. 
But other stuff, not so much. Other stuff, not so much. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit is with you permanently, indwelling you. You might not always know why you know, but the Holy Spirit will enable you to know what is truth. So that's the, that's the third element of it. And then he says something very interesting. He says the world is not able to receive him because it does not see him or know him. Please notice that Jesus is saying two different things here. First, the world, John's language for those who are outside of a spiritual awareness. The world um, is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a philosophical or spiritual identity of that agency or that practice or that philosophy or that way of seeing things that doesn't acknowledge the lordship of Christ. So you've got this tension that is built up here. And he says, fundamentally, the world is disabled from recognizing or receiving the Holy Spirit because, one, it doesn't see him. In other words, the world is unable. Hey, Dan, how are you? Sorry, I just recognized a friend. Never mind, as you were. Okay, so anyway, the world does not see him. In other words, it, it, it neither denies or is argues against his existence because it simply isn't aware of his existence. It is, is, it's as is if the Holy Spirit is broadcasting in technicolor and the world can only receive black and white. You see, it, just, it, it, it is beyond the world's... Because, remember, built for this dual reality, spiritual material, the world recognizing... Number one point, sometimes in the world, everything is natural. Everything is, is explained in the natural realm. So it, can't, it doesn't even have a vocabulary to understand a spiritual existence beyond this natural self-understanding. So that's one. But then the second is, even those members of the world that recognize the spiritual realities can't often bring themselves to the awareness that there's a connection between their spiritual reality and the God and King and Lord of the universe because that would, re that would require service. That would require worship. That would require a different way of embodiment than we're ready to. So you get the gospel of Oprah in this category. You with me? Or Gnosticism or a number of other spiritualities that don't acknowledge the source of the, of the Holy Spirit. And, because, and, and notice, they can't receive him because to do so would be to call into question the entire spiritual foundation of their self-understanding. And it's too frightening. It's too risky. That's by, why, by the way, often when we witness to people, it's not helpful to tell them things that you have discerned spiritually. They, generally speaking, are not even going to have the capacity to understand what you're talking about. That's why Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give what is holy to dogs. He's using a, 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 a kind of a parable from, he's not calling them swine or dogs. He's just saying they don't have the capacity to receive your spiritual enlightenment is even helpful to them. So don't do that. Okay? So the, this is the first thing that Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit, that you who are his disciples, you who have committed your life to him, you who have chosen to walk with him in this kind of narrow 
way, have a resource that will never leave you, that is sent from God the Father, that comes to help you know what is true and what is not true. So I don't know about you, but if he didn't say anything else, we've gotten real good news this morning, right? We have help to negotiate our lives as they are, given the nature of the people that we are, okay? Second thing, let's go over to John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. And again, if in the course of any of this, questions bubble up, you want to jot them down, uh, you can give them to me or Darren afterwards, uh, or put them in the, in the box in the back, or email whatever works, and we'll try and address those uh, next, next week. John chapter 14, just down a few verses, verse 25, um, Jesus is um, continuing on his farewell um, address to them. He says, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will, and this is what I want you to underline if you're interested in doing this, teach you all things, and underline this, Bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So here he says, I will teach you all things and will remind you. So that's, that's good. Notice two different functions of the Holy Spirit that Jesus says he is going to help us with. How many of you need help to remember what Jesus said in the heat of the moment? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, it's important that you maybe have remembered what Jesus said. So memorization ought to be part of our discipline in the shaping of our souls. We need to remember, put into our heads and our thinking what Jesus said. By the way, the reason we have these words at all is because the Holy Spirit's really good at what he does. Where do you think these words in red came from? It's because the Holy Spirit, 25 or 30 or 40, or in this case, almost 70 years later, reminded John what Jesus said. That's where the scripture comes from, right? Because remember, these guys weren't writing stuff down. They didn't expect to be around to usher in a new kingdom. They anticipated that Jesus as their Messiah was going to empower them, equip them to overthrow the Romans, to establish a new Jewish kingdom in Jerusalem. That was their anticipation. And in fact, right up until after the resurrection, this was their hope, their belief, and their expectation. So they're not writing stuff down for us. 2,000 years later, are you kidding me? The vision of a church existing for that length of time, completely off the radar screen. It's only because the Holy Spirit's really good at what he does that we have a text to read this morning. Right? So first of all, to them specifically, but then also to us, he helps us to remember in heats of the moment what Jesus said. But then secondarily, I don't know about you, but there's some things that Jesus said that I don't understand. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand what Jesus meant. So he brings things to our remembrance. He helps us uh, to, to remember what Jesus said. He reminds us of them. And then... The other element of this, please notice here, he will teach you all things. Apparently, and Jesus is going to make this allusion here a little bit later on, there were some things that Jesus wanted to teach us, but he didn't have time. There were some things that he wanted to even teach his disciples, but they didn't have the capacity. The, the, the bucket was too full. So who is going to teach them new stuff? 
Not in contradiction to what Jesus said, but building on what Jesus said. Who's going to lead them? Who's going to lead us? Not into new truth, but into new awareness of the truth. That's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what He does. He helps us understand what Jesus said, remembering what Jesus said, and then building new knowledge, making new connections with what Jesus said. So it's not unusual for you, after reading the text of Scripture, after reading the words of Jesus, after sitting and soaking in it a little while, maybe hearing sermons on it, because that's one of the ways that the Spirit might do that, but to have an awareness of something that you never had before. Frankly, I've been a Christian, a a, a disciple of Jesus. I I hesitate to use the word Christian because that's not really a term I want to apply to myself. Um, I would rather have other people say that of me. You remind me of Jesus. It's not because that's what that word means. It's a term of derogation in the in the in the Acts of the Apostles. It's you're you're nothing but a little Christ. Christianitos, a diminutive Christ. Boy, I I can't think of a better compliment. So that's why I don't like to refer to myself that way. Um. But as a struggling disciple, student, apprentice of Jesus for about 50 years, I've read passages of Scripture over and over and over again, even in terms of preparing for this sermon this morning. I saw some things that I'd never seen before. Now, why does that happen? Is that just because over the years I've become more clever or wiser? You're laughing. So apparently that's not it. What is it? It's the work of the Holy Spirit who says, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, you didn't have capacity for this. But I think you can handle this now. I think there's an awareness now that you can can handle. How many of you have experienced that? Just as you follow Jesus for all of a sudden, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, 25 years, I get it now. I didn't get it then. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I just love the tutoring that the Holy Spirit brings us into in this awareness of the work of Christ, right? Uh, Some of you are learning how to pray in new ways, still answering our prayer to Jesus. Teach us to pray. Jesus gave us the framework, and now the Holy Spirit continues to lead us into new ways of praying that were simply not available to us before. You with me? So this is what he comes to do. Move on down with me uh, for a few more minutes here um, to John chapter 15, verses 26 and and, uh, 27. Where, uh, again, same sermon, Jesus is um, uh, talking about uh, the struggles that the disciples are going to have and how they're going to negotiate their way in the world. He says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... Namely, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. Here's what I want you to underline, these two things. He will testify about me and, underline this as well if you will, you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. So what does the Holy Spirit do? How many of you know that it's not enough to just remember what Jesus said or to quote what Jesus said to people to whom you are speaking? It is not enough. Unless the Spirit takes that word that is spoken 
and empowers it for them, it's just words on a page. It's just noise in their ears. Right? Same thing happens with us here. Every time I stand up to speak, every time I stand up to do a Bible study or, or sit down with somebody at, at, at Starbucks um, uh, or, or some other better coffee shop of which there are many, um, I, 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 my, my heart's prayer is, dear God, send your spirit to empower these words. Anoint the words, anoint the words, anoint the words. Take them into the hearts of... Because I, I, you just can't do it. Because you're just nature talking to nature. There's no deep calling to deep unless the Spirit empowers that. So to the degree, for example, even in what I'm saying this morning, you're hearing this at this level. That might be because uh, uh, I'm, I'm talking and you're hearing the words, right? But to the degree that you're hearing it at this level, that's the work of the Spirit. He takes those words and uses them to testify, to bear witness to Jesus. If there's a... You all know what a resonance is? If, if, you know, you set off a a tuning fork and and there's a resonance uh, with with a a frequency. As I get older, for example, I, I used to design and install sound systems. So my ears uh, were really finely tuned when I was younger as I've gotten older and, and my ability to hear higher pitches has diminished and as the damage that I did to my hearing when I was doing sound installation, uh, it kind of works itself in. My capacity to, to hear things uh, with precision uh, diminishes. But if there is a resonant frequency way up past what I can hear, it causes something to vibrate down in the resonant the area that I can hear. And it feels louder. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You will. I'm just telling you, you will. Anyway, so you, 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 and why in this room certain frequencies resonate at, at deeper levels? Well, think about that in the life of the Spirit. He is the one that enables us to resonate with the truth, to resonate with the Word of Jesus, right? I had a couple of of, uh, of finely dressed, black tie, white shirt, nice name badge young men come to my door the other day. I love these guys to come to my door. Come in, it's a hot day, let's have some lemonade and talk. I just love that. Them not so much, but we had a we had a had a had a good time. So so at the end of this conversation, it was like, well, because they were asking me, didn't you feel a a a, a burning when you have you read the Book of Mormon? Yes, I've read it. Actually, I've read it a, a number of times. Didn't you feel anything? Uh, no, actually, zip, nothing, nada. But when I read the text of Scripture, when I read the words in red, man, my heart just is almost, sometimes it's just set to leaping in my soul. Who does that? That's the work of the Spirit. And that, by the way, is also going to empower your witness to people at work, your witness to people in the classroom, 
your capacity as a teacher to stand before your class of preschoolers. You might not ever say the word or words of Jesus, but there will be a resonance that flows out of you because of the testimony of your life. And it will not be an un, uh, unusual for somebody to come to you and say, I don't know what it is about you. But you kind of somehow just kind of seem to glow, especially when things are going sideways and, and, and big brown sticky stuff is hitting the fan and, and everybody else is going weird on you, right? You seem to be able to negotiate reality in a way that will not use this word exact, but you seem to get what is it about you? There's a resonance with the life of the Spirit that bears witness to the testimony, not just of your words, but of your life as to the reality of Jesus Christ. Because flowing out of your life and out of your lifestyle, the very words that we speak standing on the platform of our life become words of life and truth because of the work of the Spirit. Does that make sense? So this is what uh, we want to we want to uh, in, in, invite us into in the church. I'm going to cover the rest of this um, uh, uh, next time. I, I don't know how to end this exactly. I've been trying to get some discernment on this because I'm like I'm. This is part A. Next week, if you don't have any questions, I'll do part B. Um, and if you do, maybe I'll figure out some way to squeeze this in. But my sense is. As we as we sit here this morning on this Labor Day, heading into maybe another busy school year, uh, at, 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 at teaching or learning or you know those kinds of things. For those of us who are teachers, you know life has two new years, right? September is the new year, and then January is another another new. Year. For those of you who don't teach, it's like oh yeah, it's September. Wherever you are, my sense is. That there are, we want to we want to transition into this season in a slightly different way than maybe we have before. And um, if you have have, um, you know what I'd like to do? I'd just like to pray all of us for all of us. Can we do that? Jamie's going to come back up, and, and uh, the rest of our worship team is going to come back up, and they're just going to kind of cover over us. We just want to spend some time just soaking in the Holy Spirit. Is that all right? Uh, my prayer this morning is that he would just kind of gently hover over us. And if you have an openness and a desire for the, for the Spirit, uh, especially in this first song, uh, to empower you in the ways that we're talking about today. I'm going to just ask you to kind of, if you don't mind, just stand where you are in, in a moment when we begin this first song. And if you see somebody standing around you, um, I'm going to ask you just to kind of gather around them and just pray in Jesus' name. Pray as Jesus would pray if he were praying. That's what it means. That they receive the Holy Spirit. That they breathe in deeply of the work of the Spirit. In, in ways perhaps that you can't imagine in praying, they can't imagine in asking, because when we invite the Holy Spirit in, He tends to want to take charge. All right? And I'm not talking about phenomenology and gifts. I'm talking about the ways that we've... We're, but I'm prepared to let Him do whatever He wants. Right? So if, if we can pray with you this morning, as we transition out of, out of this part of the Word into this next part of the Word, uh, let's uh, set our hearts uh, on that. And uh, I'm going to ask you in this second worship set not to watch worship, 
but to be worshipers. Um, If you want to stand and let us pray for you, you can do that. Uh, Crosses and communion elements are available. People, uh, those of you who are trained in praying or life group leaders or whatever, if you kind of lead the way for me on this, I'd appreciate it. Um, Make yourself available. Um, is Is that all clear? Let's pray together. Lord, we set ourselves before you. I just, I just love you, Jesus, for thinking so much about what we would need that you asked the Father and that he sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to lead us into truth, to help us know what truth is, to remind us what you said, to explain what you meant when you said it, to resonate with us in our testimony to the world and life and lifestyle. Lord, we just recognize the need that we have for all of these things. And so, as we transition, Lord, and just spend some time soaking in your word and in the work of the Spirit, I pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill your church, fill your people. Help us to know your way. Help us to choose to walk in it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden, or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org.